Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Here's some tips for maintaining your Trex deck. Um, occasionally wash it with some soapy water or a pressure cleaner. Trex composite decking is low maintenance and won't fade, splinter or warp. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. It's seven past nine here on Mornings with Ian Smith. Joining us now out of the UK is uh, football commentator, journalist uh, Dan O'Hagan. G'day, Dan. How you doing? I'm pretty good. How are you doing yourself? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Not too bad. It's all been uh, thrown up in the air. Uh, and you're part of the world, hasn't it, with the passing of the Queen? I mean, from a, uh, you know, taking that out of it, from a work point of view, it must have been uh, throwing your schedule, uh, you know, sort of uh, around a lot last weekend with the, the cancellation of all the games. Yeah, I mean, I, luckily, I mean, for me, I, I don't work too much at the moment on English football, so I was working on, on the Bundesliga, which went ahead. But uh, certainly colleagues of mine, they saw their entire kind of working weekends wiped out. Um, obviously, uh, a very, very sad uh, few days in this country. But uh, yeah, football completely stopped this weekend. And uh, I think there's a degree of surprise that football was uh, so quickly taken away. Uh, but I think people, for the most part, understand why. Well, yeah, I mean, just on that, I mean, because we looked at it from this point of view over here, of course, you know, uh, Bryn McCullum is the coach of the England cricket team, and they just had one day off, and then they were back into it. And I think most other sports were the same. They had a day stand down, back into it. And from what I understand, the UK government gave the FA the OK to go ahead with games on the weekend. So why do you think they didn't? I think a reason now is policing. I think because there are such huge crowds for the Queen's Coffin and, uh, uh, you know, you look at the crowds now outside Buckingham Palace, um, almost 24-7, those crowds need policing. So um, football games do need a large police presence. And right now we don't have the numbers of police officers to be able to uh, police both. So I think um, football has kind of said, OK, um, if you can't, offer the numbers to police our games safely and, and properly, then we'll just not play. Um, so I think a major reason is the lack of numbers in our police force now, which is why uh, football, maybe and not the other, other sports, was the one that uh, got cancelled last weekend. So that, that got cancelled last weekend. We're in a, a year which is truncated because of the World Cup. Um, you know, everything wraps, what, about the 10th of November, I think, to, to allow the World Cup to take place. So a shortened season. Uh, between now and then, all those top Premier League clubs who are in Europe were going to be playing two games a week anyway. How are they going to fit these postponed games in? No idea, to be honest with you. It's, as you say, it's a very strange football calendar now with the um, mid-season World Cup coming up. An idea of mine would be maybe the FA Cup. Do you scrap all replays? I know, uh, I think it's from the, is it the, the fifth round onwards now? There are no replays anyway, but maybe for the third and fourth round, you say, okay, no replays. Um, do you maybe see clubs pull out of the League Cup? 
um, from the Premier League. Um, because at the moment, there, there is no wiggle room. There is no space. There's no free week now to get um, games played. So it, it, it is a problem. And um, I think the cup competitions will be the ones that kind of bear the brunt of teams either pulling out or, or playing weakened teams just to get their league games in. Yeah, it's, it's certainly going to cause uh, a lot of problems for those clubs, just having the one game postponed. But now we're looking at uh, this week in Europe. Arsenal have had their game against PSV postponed due to policing problems. And this weekend in the Premier League, Liverpool's game at Chelsea and Manchester United's game against Leeds have both also been postponed. So all of a sudden, you know, Arsenal have got a European game to make up. Who knows what UEFA are going to make of that? And also, uh, you know, we're talking about Liverpool, Chelsea, Manchester United, three teams potentially could be involved in a title race or a top four race at least, um, are going to be two games behind everyone else. Yes, and that's a problem as well. Do you then try and get these games in after the, the World Cup um, when games will be coming thick and fast anyway? So it's a real problem. And as you mentioned there, the Champions League, um, it's obviously the Queen dying is a UK thing. Mm. Um, UEFA, um, they won't postpone or rearrange or, or make special um, exceptions for English clubs. They want the games played so it's a level playing field. So the teams in the groups with Arsenal and other English clubs are on the kind of same page. So I don't know how we're going to tackle this because it's going to be, uh, there's going to be an almighty log jam of games um, in all competitions. And it's going to take a hell of a lot of sorting out. Is there, was there any talk, any um, floating of the idea of maybe playing games this weekend in front of empty stadiums um, just to get the games done and so you didn't need the policing? No, I've not seen that at all. I think certainly we had enough of empty stadiums during the whole COVID thing. So I think football wants to steer as far clear of that again as possible. But um, it would be a, a solution, of course. Um, but I think clubs want to get games on in full stadiums and get them played when best they can. But right now, looking at the upcoming weeks and the football um, calendar, it's just so hard because this year, it's it, it's a freakish year. There is no wiggle room. There is no free space to get these games played. So it's going to put enormous demands on the players to be playing at some point, I imagine, you know, two, three, four games a week. And um, yeah, those games have to get played somewhere, but we'll just see where. It's an interesting one. I mean, I guess the, the FA and the Premier League can look after their own a wee bit, and you can, like you say, push those games to the other side of the World Cup where maybe they can find some room. But from a European point of view, I think UEFA were very clear on wanting to make sure the group stages of the Europa League and the Champions League were done by the time everybody went to the World Cup. Uh, is there a chance that Arsenal just have to default this game? I guess that would be a solution. Obviously, Arsenal wouldn't want to do that, and, you, and UEFA as well would want the game to be played, of course. But as you say, you can't go into the World Cup with a group stage not complete because it's not just Arsenal affected, it's the other three teams in that section. So there has to be a way of getting a solution here which is fair to all parties. And if that was to mean Arsenal have to forfeit this game just to make sure um, the group is complete and the schedule is complete, then I'm afraid so be it.
Uh, we should look ahead, uh, Dan, to um, tomorrow because I don't think we're going to get any solution uh, in the next little while from UEFA or from the FA on on how this goes. But we do have uh, a bunch of midweek Champions League games, a second round of games, and um, I guess for the teams that are playing away from home, not such a biggie in terms of you know Spurs. Um, managing to get away uh, to play in Portugal. They are a team that, well, I was going to say they're a team, but really it's a manager, isn't it? It's a manager in Antonio Conte that has a very scratchy record when it comes to Europe. Uh, when he was at Inter, he failed to get them out of the group at any point. It didn't do very well in Europe with Juventus either. So it's a real test for him with the Spurs side and what looks like quite a winnable group. It does. I think match day one, they were helped out by Marseille getting a, a red card. It was goalless when the uh, I think Chancellor Bemba was sent off in the second half and Spurs went on to win uh, 2-0. But uh, yeah, you're right. On paper, that is a very nice group. Um, I'm actually working on the Marseille-Frankfurt game tomorrow night um, in that group. But um, yeah, Spurs should come through that group. The, the way to Sporting um, tomorrow, Sporting had a good win on match day one away in Frankfurt. But I think Frankfurt in that group... They're a club almost in crisis, you know, four months on from winning the Europa League, the club's almost in free fall. So I think take them out of the equation and, you know, Spurs should come through this group. Um, they've got Frankfurt back to back next in terms of the uh, match days three and four. So that should be six points for Spurs to uh, build on, you know, what's already been quite a strong start for Conte. Mm. And that, you, that Marseille team's an interesting team, isn't it? I mean, they've got Eric Bailly obviously on loan there from Manchester United, but a lot of players in that squad come from teams who have been, you know, the big rivals of Spurs in the Premier League. I think, you know, um, uh, Tavares and Guendouzi, ex Arsenal players, Payet, ex West Ham player. It certainly made for a pretty tasty. Fixture. I think the, the, uh, that reverse fixture back in France later on is going to be interesting. Alexis Sanchez, of course, too, with mm. Marseille now. So, yeah, as you say, some some kind of uh, very very common bonds there between uh, Spurs and uh, and former rivals in, in the Premier League. But, yeah, Marseille this season are a very exciting team. They've had their best ever league start. They've dropped just two points. They're matching PSG uh, point for point at the moment in uh, Ligue 1. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think Marseille will certainly push Spurs that they were last week until the red card in the second half. So, yeah, I mean, I think looking at that group on paper, I think certainly maybe Spurs and Marseille, the two who you might fancy to come through it. Yeah, I think uh, that sounds right, mate. Uh, the, probably the biggest game tomorrow for me is Bayern Munich versus Barcelona and the return of Robert Lewandowski. <laughs> um, obviously, that's, uh, that, that will be generating a lot, of, a lot of press. But Bayern haven't been going particularly well in the Bundesliga, have they? I mean, they've dropped points the last two games. They've had a couple of draws against teams you'd expect them to beat. Last three games, three draws on the spin against uh, Gladbach, Union Berlin, and this weekend against um, Stuttgart. So, yeah, those are three games they, you know, you would think they would normally win and win quite well. What I would say about Bayern is they are making chances. I think across all those matches, they that they've made enough chances to win them. I know in the Gladbach game, they uh, the Gladbach goalkeeper Jan Zoma made a record 19 saves in one game, which gives you some idea as to how Bayern battered them. But for some reason, right now that the goals aren't going in, of course they've lost uh, Robert Lewandowski, but the players they've still got there, you know, uh, Leroy Sané, Sadio Mane, Thomas Müller, uh, they can still score goals. But for some reason, right now it's just not going in. But Bayern will, will, will 
click at some point, but right now there's one or two kind of gremlins in the machine almost. Yeah, I mean, they haven't replaced Lewandowski with an out-and-out nine, have they? Mane ten, tends to be more of a wide forward. Um, I thought in Bundesliga they would be okay. It would be games like this that they might get found out not having a, a true out-and-out nine. Um, it's interesting, the market here has Bayern at $1.80, uh, Barcelona at three sixty, and the draw at four twenty. I'm all over the draw looking at this because that Barca team is starting to click. It certainly is. I think uh, Barcelona have had a very good start uh, in Spain this season. And uh, as I say, yeah, Bayern, for some reason right now, it's not entirely um, functioning properly. And they have a very small squad. Uh, Nagelsmann likes to work with a small group of players. But I think the options to kind of change and freshen things up aren't really there. And as you say, they didn't sign a proper number nine when Lewandowski left the club. And that, you know, will that come back to be maybe an error in hindsight? But at the moment, for some reason, in the league games, they just can't kill teams off. Mm, Yeah, it's an interesting one. I'm looking forward to that game. Also looking forward to seeing how Liverpool bounce back after, you know, the hiding they took in Naples. Um, I I mean, I I think 4-1 flattered them in the end. Uh, Certainly some work to do for Liverpool. They play an Ajax team who made short work of Rangers as well. So this isn't going to be an easy game back at Anfield? Certainly not. Um, obviously, Ajax in the summer lost players. Uh, the likes of Anthony have uh, have moved on. But yeah, Liverpool's season has begun shakily. Um, I, like you, I watched that game against Napoli in the, in the first half. It could have been four, five, six goals. Mm. Um, Napoli were that much better. Liverpool just couldn't contain them. I've not seen a Liverpool team defend that badly for a long, long, long time. Um, obviously, this game now, uh, tomorrow night, they're at home to Ajax. Ajax are a team in transition coming from one of the weaker leagues in Europe and you'd fancy Liverpool to win this one but um, the way they've gone about this season you can't take that for granted I don't think uh, tomorrow night Now I wonder whether or not Jurgen Klopp should look at um, changing his system uh, just a little just to, to overcome some of those deficiencies. I mean, if I think about Liverpool, I think the, the midfield looks it lacks depth and, and it lacks real quality. And I think Trent Alexander-Arnold, I mean, if you want to get at Liverpool, you just you just wait uh, for a transition in, um, in possession and you, and you hit behind where the right-back position would be because he's never in position. So, I mean, if they went to a 3-4-3, for example, you're only having to play two in midfield and your wing-backs um, sort of have a little bit of cover by having a three-man cent- cent- central defence. For me, that kind kind of might work. Do you, do you see Klopp making those kind of changes? I don't think Klopp's ever played that way. I think it, it's asking a lot for a coach who's maybe, you know, got his methods and has, has used them for a long, long time to, to, to make a big change like that for a game of this size is doubtful. People talk about Klopp and, and Dortmund. It was the seventh season there where it all began to unravel. And of course, he's had the same time now at Liverpool. It's begun to fall apart. So maybe... He's seeing there a coach at the end of his natural um, tenure with the football club. He's done a wonderful job at Liverpool. Let's not forget that, you know, Premier League, Champions League success, brilliant. But at the moment, for some reason, it's not working, whether it was recruitment or whether the tactics just aren't working at the moment. Um, But I think Liverpool just need, um, you know, to find some consistency again, because no doubt they've got a great squad on paper, but as you say, maybe a bit thin in the midfield. But players certainly who can still... 
um, on their day be very, very effective at the moment. It's just not working for them. Now, the other game in that group is Rangers at Ibrox against Napoli, but it's been pushed back a day, um, which means in the UK there's actually only one Champions League game on tomorrow, and the, the following day there's obviously an extra game. Have they pushed that game out a day just because the Queen's been in state in Scotland and they need to free up Scottish police resources, do you know? I believe that's the case, yes. Um, obviously, uh, the Queen's been uh, lying in state in Scotland the last couple of days. And again, the crowds there have been absolutely enormous. And obviously, those crowds need policing. So, yeah, I think the same thing. Um, so that's the reason why I think uh, the games in London this coming weekend are going to be the ones most in doubt because of the uh, demands on the police services. Yeah, well, you've got uh, Chelsea at home, uh, Manchester City at home, and now Rangers at home all on Thursday morning New Zealand time. So it's going to make uh, for some interesting times, and uh, it's certainly going to stretch things for the UK police. And, uh, of course, Rangers have it all to do at the moment too, don't they, Dan? I mean, the 4-0 loss to Celtic, backed up by that 4-0 loss uh, in Holland against an Ajax team, as you said, that you know has lost what five big pieces. Yeah, and the it was the Celtic game which hurts most, of course, to lose the old firm game in the manner they did. Um, that almost kind of set the tone for what's gone on since. Um, and it'll be tough tomorrow. Obviously, Napoli we saw against Liverpool, a team who uh, can attack and can make things happen and are great to watch. So it'll be as always at Ibrox, uh, an amazing atmosphere. But the way Napoli are playing. And the way Rangers are playing, you can't really look too far beyond, I'm afraid, uh, a win for the Italians. Yeah, and a big one too, probably, you'd have to think. All right, Dan, hey, listen, thanks for coming on, mate. Uh, Really good to chat to you and you to clear some of those things up and give us some insight of what's happening in the UK at the moment. But before I do let you go, I wanted to ask you this. Uh, Today in the US, they're celebrating National Video Games Day. Um, which is so very American. Uh, but, I mean, as uh, as a football fan, I'm picking, what, football manager, FIFA? What was your go-to? What was your favourite sports video game of all time? Well, right now, I'm playing football manager. That's my poison at the moment. But um, when, I was, when I was growing up, so this would have been late 80s, early 90s, um, things like the first game, the first FIFA games, uh, kickoff two on the Amiga was fantastic. Um, Emlyn Hughes, international soccer, um, all those games. I mean, they look really basic now when you go back and play them again, they don't quite hold water, but, uh, when you're, you know, when you're a kid of 10, 11, 12 years old, those are just the best games in the world. Yeah, they are indeed, mate. They are indeed the memories, the memories. You can go dig that out now that we've finished down and have a play. <laughs> Cheers. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com.